and welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. So the spring anime season is winding down. A lot of the shows I'm currently watching are having their last episode air sometime this week when this episode drops or next week. Uh, and it's an awkward week or so until uh, new series start coming out in the first weekend of July. Um, you know, July 3rd looks like the start of most shows. Uh, it's a good thing that we have the day off uh, for 4th of July here in the States. Um, so, you know, I'll have an episode that day uh, looking back at the spring anime season and see where I ended up with the shows that I ended up finishing in terms of my ranking uh, who knows maybe i'll finally have my my anime list updated by then um and then the other july episode on the 17th i'm going to be looking at the first episodes of all of the shows from the summer season that i'm giving a shot uh, most of them will have aired by then and then also some of the leftover spring shows that got delayed due to covid19 uh, will also have started airing by then as well uh, in any case, though, this week I wanted to do a deep dive on the f- on the works of a particular studio. Um, I've already done episodes on anime by genre, by director, and by franchise, so you know, doing it by studio is kind of the next logical step, right? Uh, in trying to figure out which series to do, I came across a preview for an anime movie coming out on Netflix this week. In fact, it came out uh, yesterday as of the releasing of this episode going live. Um, the, f- the film is called A Whisker Away. Uh, and it looks to be like a fantasy film about a boy and a girl who... Uh, and the, the girl can turn into a cat. Um, you know, kind of reminds me of another Netflix show about a girl turning into an animal that's also coming out later this month. Um, can you tell him I really wish I could see a BNA? Um, maybe I'll get that done, you know, before I do my spring anime season review. Uh, in any case, uh, when looking up A Whisker Away, it turns out that they were created by Studio Colorido. And, you know, looking at some of Studio Colorado's other works, I knew that I had a topic for this episode, you know, partly because uh, I had seen some of their longer works already and it was pretty quick to look at their shorter works. Um, just a note, uh, I want to give credit to the awesome Sakugaburu blog uh, that details a lot of the information I'm going to be sharing here. So credit to them where credit is due. So, you know, Studio Colorado in all in the grand scheme of things is a relatively new studio. Um, and they're not as big of a household name as say Madhouse or Production IDG, um, you know, or even like you know, Gynax was had its heyday many years ago and succeeded in, in Trigger. Um Studio Colorado was founded back in two thousand eleven, uh, but they've only been putting out work since two thousand thirteen, so just uh, about seven years or so. However, they are a bit unique of a studio for a couple reasons. Um, so they were founded by producer Hideo Uda. Um, it was based on the philosophy that it should allow artists to work isolated from many of the stresses and terrible working conditions of the animation industry in Japan. Uh, if you listen to my episode, you know, last last week or a couple weeks ago about Evangelion, you know that the rush production on that show, while it led to an amazing work of art, uh, is also super stressful on the crew there. And, you know, even my, my second uh, ever episode on this podcast, I talked about uh, anime, about anime production and in how stressful it sold it to be. Um, and if you know anything about the industry at large, you know that productions are often rushed, stressful, and animators are often underpaid. So, you know, props to Studio Colorado for trying to uh, protect its uh, creators from that and allowing them to create art. To that end, Studio Colorado actually has not yet produced a regular weekly television series yet. Instead, they focus on commercials as well as short films. And their first theatrical debut was in 2018 with Penguin Highway. Well, there are veterans in the industry who are involved in Colorado. Uh, in the world of animation, they definitely have a youthful energy um, that that shows that they may be the studio of the next generation to pay attention to and showing where the industry could move forward. 
if I had to describe Studio de Colorido's style for much of their early work, you know, uh, and even, you know, I, I, honestly, for most of their work, there's a lot of warmth uh, in their colors. Uh, most of their works have bright hues that they're not oversaturated, you know, not quite pastel, uh, but they're also not super vibrant, uh, definitely bright. Um, I find most of their work deals with the, work, the idea of emotion, often of children or teenagers, and explores the way that it borders on the surreal. You know, you feel something so much, uh, it, it bursts out of you and gives some an intangible feeling a tangible form in the animated worlds that they live in. Uh, to that end, you know, there's a bit of a Ghibli heritage in the character designs and the motif of flying through the sky. Uh, no surprise given that one of the pivotal figures of Colorado is Yojiro Arai, who worked on Gib- Ghibli's uh, The Wind Rises, sequel to the role of Arietti and from Up on Poppy Hill, as well on Makoto Shinkai's Ghibli lookalike film Children Who Chase Lost Voices. Uh, you know, also given that they are a studio made up of the newer generation of younger animators, many of whom got their start on YouTube, uh, they are a digital first company, much in the way that Shinkai produces his works. To that end, they're able to make great use of digital workflows and environments for their animations, um, and it especially helps them with their, you know, uh, the very uh, Sakuga animation-heavy uh, flight sequences, uh, which is especially crucial, you know, for a smaller studio and being able to manage that workload, especially in today's industry that is dealing with work-from-home situation. Uh, but enough of that. Let's get into the works themselves. Uh, where possible, I'll be linking the videos in the show notes as well as on a thread on Twitter for this episode. So in 2013, Studio Colorado released their first works, uh, Sashinkan uh, and Hinata no Aoshigure, uh, in late 2013 in double feature theatrical release. Uh, the first film, 17-minute Sashinkan, which is also translates to English as Portrait Studio, was directed by Takashi Nakamura, uh, the animation supervisor for the legendary anime film Akira from the 80s, and it tells the story of a portrait studio owner in Japan and his relationship with a family of clients, um, particularly the daughter, you know, as Japan goes through various uh, socio-political changes, such as uh, the Russo-Japanese War, the Great Tokyo Earthquake, World War II, and more, uh, you know, it's told completely without dialogue. And you know, I could definitely, you know, see this being at home among, you know, one of the Oscar nominees for Best Animated Short Films. Uh, in the context of Colorado, it kind of stands apart as a bit different from most of their work that would come afterwards, uh, both in story and in style. Perhaps that's because Nakamura has a more old-school uh, approach, uh, and you know, indeed, aside from that one work, Nakamura has not really done much additional work at Colorado. You know, mostly to make way for youngsters who are more in line to take over the digital production style of the studio. Uh, that being said, the Portrait Studio is a beautiful work. That's a quick watch. I would highly recommend you check it out. Um, their other debut, so Kovido's other debut was directed by newcomer Hiroyasu Tete Ishida. Uh, Tete is a, a, a kind of a screen name. Uh, Ishida is a bit of a young rock star in the animation world, and you know he, he first came to note uh, with a 2009 short film, uh, two minutes long, that he made at the age of 21 uh, while in an animation school called Fumiko's Confessions. Uh, it currently has 5 million views on his YouTube channel. Uh, he partner- partnered with the aforementioned Ghibli vet uh, a on as who was animation director for uh, Hinata no Asigure, which is called uh, Sunny Boy and Dewdrop Girl in English. Uh, this 18-minute film tells the story of a young boy, Hinata, uh, who has a crush on his classmate Sugure over their mutual love for birds. Um, but he's not really able to express that verbally for her. He mostly does it through drawings. Um, however, when Sugure's family ends up you know, moving away, Hinata feels he has to muster up the courage to let Sugure know how he feels. Um, there's definitely a lot of similarities between Asida's amateur works, Fumiko's confession, and this film. Um, obviously, the first is that you know it's a young child's confession to their crush. 
um, and kind of the feeling of anxiety and, and, and overwhelming feeling that it, that, that brings with it. Um, they both also utilize stunning uh, vi- digital animation. You know, they fly through a cityscape, um, you know, on in, in Hinata no Asegura, they do it on birds. Um, in, in Fumiko's Confessions, it's just straight up flying. Um, but the digital environment, they, they fly through it at such velocity and, you know, with the background dynamically changing that, you know, it really conveys that overwhelming rush of emotion. So both the content and the in the tone and the idea of the film combines perfectly with the medium and the style of animation that they choose to use um, for that particular situation. You know, Arai definitely lends some influence. Um, the character design is definitely a reminiscence from something from, you know, something like Ponyo or one of the other Ghibli films. And the color palette palette used, you know, definitely feels like a little bit like a Ghibli film, um, but the frenetic energy is definitely very different than you would get from something from uh, the older film uh, from Ghibli. Uh, moving on from those two debut films, 2013 also saw uh, Colorado start one of their core pillars of the studio. Um, they did a three-minute short film called Wonder Garden, uh, which was an animated commercial for the Color Bear fashion brand, uh, which was opening up a store in Tokyo at the time. Uh, this was, this one was directed by Arai uh, and has the same sense of wonder, you know, from from a Ghibli film where a girl explores and flies through a magical underground city uh, filled with teddy bears. Um, you know, the same color palettes being used, the same surreal flying motif is, is found here. Uh, but, for, but, but more significantly than just establishing a style of, you know, wonder and also, um, you know, flying motif, uh, this helped establish Colorado as an animation studio that worked in the an- commercial space. Um, and that's pretty important because, you know, co- working on commercial films are a lot more lucrative uh, relative to the, um, given the amount of work you're doing relative to traditional, you know, traditional TV model. So that helped both with um, the mission of Colorado to, you know, make anime that the animators could, you know, have control over and, and feed to do what they want, but also in a way that they didn't have to worry about the the, the stresses of the industry. So having, you know, uh, commercials, which would be very viable and, you know, not a whole crunch type of work would, you know, definitely go in that line. So uh, this helps secure the, the studio's financial future. Um, and yeah, in 2014, that would be largely the, the, the motif. They did a lot more commercials, um, you know, similar to Wonder Garden. Um, the miso-paced company Marukome contracted them for three 90-second commercials uh, that they put up, you know, uh, to advertise the company. They didn't even air them on TV. They just put them up online to generate buzz. Uh, and it, it worked, I think. Um, the first commercial, Mother and Son, tells the story of a mother sending her son a care package, which includes the instant miso soup packets, as he starts a new job in the city. Uh, the second commercial, Job Transfer, tells the story of sisters who visit their father who's working in another city and making dinner again, including miso soup. And the final story, Midnight Snack, is about a father who feels awkward reaching out to his teenage daughter as he studies for her exams. And he, does, he ends up reaching out to her by making her miso soup as a midnight uh, study snack. Uh, perhaps the most unexpected commercial I found uh, was a video series by global manufacturing company YKK. Uh, they are the fun fact the largest manufacturers of zippers in the world. Uh, Colorado produced a kind of like a kids anime, uh, call, a number of video sorts called Fastening Days, uh, which started in 2014 and has continued on with four, uh, three additional films, so four total through 2019. Each episode is about nine to eleven minutes long and follows the adventures of Kay and Yoji uh, in a near future world that has they have a futuristic that device that allows them to suit 
zippers, um, you know, to fasten things together, hence the title Fastening Days. Um, and that helps them be friendly neighborhood superheroes that, you know, solve everyday problems such as flat tires, escaping balloons, uh, helping people make up with each other after arguing, etc., etc. Um, you know, definitely no supervillains here for, for these kids. Um, directed by Ishida again, um, it definitely has this trademark uh, Sakuga animation, you know, the fly through the, the, the city, which is a very distinct style. Um, you know, lots of digital backdrops. Uh, and the, future, the futuristic city is actually pretty interesting because there are hints that there's like a city like underneath the water, like the ruins, and, you know, they're using like uh, hot air balloons and, you know, the magnetic storms that happen with some sort of regularity. So um, it's pretty well realized for a sci-fi world. Um, that said, you know, with all of that, the central heart of each episode is less about the action. Again, there's no real supervillains to fight, um, but more so it's about the emotions of the young protagonists and the relationships and connections they have with their friends and each other. Um, you know, again, appropriate for the theme of a commercial for a zipper company, which is about bringing two things together. Um, as with all of these fil- films I'm, I'm talking, I'll link to YKK's site where you can watch these videos. Uh, 2014 also saw a pretty significant work for Colorado in the three minutes with Paulette's chair. Um, this was produced in honor of Noritamina's te- uh, 10th anniversary. So for those of you who don't know what Noritamina is, and that's spelled animation backwards, uh, it's a television block on Fuji TV that started in 2004, and it's meant to showcase anime beyond you know what would appeal to the traditional young male demographic. So series like Tommy Galaxy, Kids on the Slope, Psychopaths, Silver Spoon, Samurai Flamenco, Ping Pong, Your Lion April, Saikano, Erased, Promised Neverland, um, all of these have aired on the Noritamina block. In 2014 onward, if you watched, you know, before, maybe you downloaded it from Funimation, and it's the the Noitamina's uh, screen pops up, you know, as as a credits, like kind of like before a movie, you'd see this image of this young girl riding around on a chair. Um, that actually comes from this three minute short called Paulette's Chair uh, that Studio Colorado produced. Uh, the story is pretty simple, you know, it's the story of a girl and her magical chair um, that, as she grows up, it's her companion, and you know, it, she flies through the sky, and it kind of acts as a metaphor for. Her growing emotions and so on as he grows up but again this is Colorado at their best um, you know the flying and, and, and Ghibli-esque designs um, but more significantly for Colorado this helped them connect with the editor-in-chief of Noritamina Koji Yamamoto um, this is important because Koji Yamamoto would go on to found the studio Twin Engine after leaving uh, Noritamina. Uh, and in 2016, Twin Engine would actually end up acquiring Colorado as a subsidiary so they're part of the Twin Engine network um Anyway, in 2015, you know, we would then see the studio's most ambitious project yet. Uh, this is a 26-minute short called Typhoon Naruto, uh, which is directed by Arai, uh, based on an image he had actually drawn in his childhood. Now, you know, going from, you know, a three-minute commercial to, like, they had 18-minute shorts at one point. Um, this is an additional, you know, up to 26 minutes, like a, a full-length OVA. It tells the story of a young boy who meets a mysterious girl as the typhoon hits their schools and the weird circumstances that kind of result from that. Um, honestly, in my opinion, this is probably the weakest work of theirs. Um, the visual animation, as always, is, is stunning. Uh, it, it feels, however, a little bit bloated story-wise. You can tell that it wasn't, I guess, as fully realized. I think having that extra 10 minutes in the runtime, they couldn't, like, you know, with, with you know, Hinata no Asigura, they had to be very quick. And obviously with the commercials, that would be really quick to get the, the point across. They can't be a wasted second. Here, I think they maybe just didn't know what to do with all the extra time. And, you know, there was this, like, subplot 
of this, uh, you know, the relationship between one of the boys and his classmate, who's his friend, because apparently he wants to leave the baseball team, and uh, they couldn't really flesh that. They tried to flesh it out, but he couldn't flesh it out to the degree I think was necessary. At the same time, you know, if they had cut it out, it would just felt like you know too short and and not enough depth and weight to the film. So, um, you know. At the core, you know, the emotions are definitely there, but you know, the, the sci-fi subplot is also not really fully explained. Um, it's only hinted at it if you want to know more, but again, there's no chance for resolution. So, um, you know, perhaps these are just growing pains of the studio doing their biggest project at the time, and I think it kind of shows. Um, but again, it's still a great. It was. It would still be a great starting point for the studio, you know, as they took on more ambitious projects. Uh, until they got to those more ambitious projects, then you know, Colorado would spend 2015 and 2016 working on smaller projects. Um, you know, these were you know a couple of commercials. Um, you know, if you know the Puzzle and Dragons game, mobile game, um, they created a couple of commercials for that. You know, they used pastel colors and characters flying through the sky. Um, they created an ad for Bandai Namco, Bandai Namco uh, RPG mobile RPG Viheart Rising, which I think is like Japan only. So uh, if you are from the states and you don't know what that is, no, no problem. Um, they created an ad for the real estate development company Mitsui Fudosen, uh, which is an anticipation for the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo called Go for 2020. Uh, they produced the fourth episode of the uh, baseball anime Battery. Uh, I didn't watch that for this episode. I'm not going to watch, you know, four, uh, three episodes to get to one for this. Um, but you know, most notably, I think this is where Colorado really first started to get on people' uh, attention here in the West. If you remember, in like 2016, there was uh, a uh, 2015, 2016, there was a commercial about uh, a young girl who goes to work in McDonald's, uh, and it kind of blew up uh, here in the West, kind of, kind of like on the. Uh, blogs that like, oh, look at what Japan's up to now. Um, this was actually Colorado's work. Uh, they ended up producing two commercials for McDonald's. Um, it's called Mirai no Watashi, or The Future Me. Uh, it's meant to kind of show how working at McDonald's uh, would help your future self, um, as shown by the cute anime girl and her senpai. Uh, seriously, check these commercials out. It's really, they're really well done. Um, they not only want you to make a, have a Big Mac, but also want to have like two full seasons of this Kohai and her senpai. Um, and, you know, on top of all this, you know, Takashi Nakamura, who produced the, the first work, Portrait Studio, he came back to work with Colorado for the Animated Expo. So Animated Expo uh, was a project by Hideaki Anno and Studio Kara to showcase the animation talent uh, in the industry in a series of short films. Um, they... Uh, the 27th episode of this anthology uh, was produced by Studio Colorado, directed by Nakamura. Um, it's called Bubu and Bubulina. It's about you know two girls who who are dancing. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of an abstract story. Um, you can definitely tell that this is more his style. It, it looks like a lot more traditional, cel shaded, um, you know, pen on paper as opposed to the digital uh, composition. So you know, typical Colorado work. Um, well, while it's lacking in the digital components and it's a largely non-verbal storytelling, I would say it's still definitely worth checking out, as is, you know, most, if not all of the anime expo works. So, you know, after that, uh, they took a little bit of a break in 2017. I probably spent most of it working on uh, 2018, which would be their first full-length feature film called Penguin Highway, uh, which is an adaptation of the science fiction novel by Tomihiko Morimi. Uh, Morimi also wrote the novels that ended up being the source material for the Tommy Galaxy and Night is Sword Walk On Girl, uh, which is anime by Masaki Yuasa, as well as the PA Works anime The Eccentric Family. Uh, I actually saw Penguin Highway when it came here to the States in 2019 on a limited run. Um, and while it was 
definitely different than most of the other anime films I watch in theaters. Um, you know, I think it stands out as definitely one of the most beautiful, if not the most surreal. You know, it follows you know this young, I think fourth grade age boy who's you know precociously studying the odd, various odd phenomena in his town. Um, the titular one is, of course, the fact that. Penguins, for some reason, have uh, appeared in his in his town in the middle of summer in Japan. Um, his, the second one, aside from the penguins, is why he's suddenly fascinated by his older neighbor's uh, boobs. Uh, so you know he's definitely growing up and, and kind, trying to understand that. And you know while the explanation of the penguin phenomenon takes a little bit of wrapping your head around, you know I definitely you know needed to go back and look up the summary of what exactly happened because um, you know it's it's definitely very surreal and and hardly my head around you know color either was able to do what they do best here um they got you in the headspace and the emotions of their young protagonists who are approaching the world with a sense of wonder be it penguins or boobs um and makes you feel what they feel to such a degree that you know the emotions in the story manifest themselves in some physical form in this case penguins uh in this uh i can't link the whole movie here unfortunately um but there is a clip i found on youtube that really showcases the insane work that isida uh, who directed this film and the rest of colorado put into making this film as memorable uh and all its own and you know you wouldn't mistake it as coming from another studio um yeah definitely it's the flying penguin clip uh and i'll look in the show notes uh, you know, on top of Penguin Highway, uh, they also saw a few did a few other sword projects uh, that you know reflect their young and diverse workforce. Um, they created a sword film called Susumu Carolina uh, about the first non-Japanese rugby player. And apologies for butchering this name, uh, Carolino Stitzinska, I think. Um, directed by post a post animator living in Japan, uh, Mateusz Urbanowicz. Um, hopefully, I pronounced that okay. Uh, it's co- it's sponsored by the Energy Bar Calorie Mate. Uh, um, again, kind of interesting, right? A Japanese studio making a uh, working with a Polish director to make a sort promotional commercial anime about a um, you know Polish uh, sogi player. Um, this one definitely has a little bit more watercolor style, uh, reflecting the Polish director's personal style. Uh, you can he, he actually has a YouTube channel where you can kind of watch this behind the scenes. Um, they also brought on. Uh, Studio Colby also brought on uh, the animator Tatsuo Kawano. Um, he actually had worked with Isida in college on that short film, Fumiko's Confession. So after making his way through the industry, you know, doing freelance stuff, uh, Kawano became a, uh, a official member of Team of Studio Colorado, and they actually worked on the fourth opening animation for the Boruto opening. So the fourth, a- the fourth opening. Um, officially, internally, they're labeled as Team Yama Yamahitsuji, uh, and they've definitely developed a distinct style. Whereas most of the early Colorado works um, have this kind of Ghibli-esque look to it due to a rice influence, um, I think uh, Kawano due to his work in various uh, Sonen anime, um, definitely has his own style as well. Um, you know, uh, he's definitely most known, for example, with the... Um, he. Um, they, for example, they also part of this team is the animator, web animator Shingo Yamashita. He's best known for animating the Naruto P- 
versus pain fight in Naruto. And so working all together, um, it's it's actually pretty exciting because uh, on top of working for Boruto, one of the you know, sequel to one of the big three anime of Soul and Jump, uh, Colorado is actually going to be producing the anime for Burn the Witch, uh, which is the first work uh, of Bleach creator Tide Kubo since completing Bleach. Uh, it was a one-shot in Soul and Jump that actually ended up being a extension of the Bleach universe. Um, and that's due later this year in 2020. So, you know, definitely looking forward to that. Um, it's definitely interesting to see Color to develop a more traditional Sonin style uh, arm of their of their studio. Uh, moving to present day, 2020, uh, Colorado has been busy, um, and and most recently, uh, oh, not most recently, but they they kind of got got more internet buzz again. This time for the Pokemon Company, uh, Twilight Wings Sorts. Uh, this is a monthly production. It's a series of seven five minute sorts directed by Yamashita, um, in the world of Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, the newest video games, uh, as supplemental material to kind of expand the world, uh, so to speak. You know, as someone, I actually didn't pick up the most recent. Uh, Pokemon games, you know, there are too many games, too much anime, too little time. Uh, these really did make me wish up. I picked up the games. It it did what I think uh, I love the most about Pokemon uh, as a franchise, kind of the wonder of exploring this world with your partner Pokemon as a trainer. Um, that kind of emotion, I think, really got got conveyed here. Um, and I think that's a good fit for what Colorado does. Um, yeah, uh, so far they've had 12 million views across the five episodes that have been released so far. And finally, that brings us to yesterday and the release of their new feature-length film, A Whisker Away. Um, as I said at the top, this film tells the story of a young girl, Mio, uh, who has the power to turn into a cat and uses it to get close to the boy she loves. Um, however, the more she uses this power to escape her everyday life, which has its own problems, uh, the more blurred the lines between human and cat become. Uh, this movie was originally meant to come out in Japan earlier this month, um, but due to the ongoing health crisis, uh, Netflix actually picked it up uh, for global distribution and it launched yesterday on Thursday as part of the release, uh, as of the release of this episode. Um, this actually had a little bit of a different crew than the usual Colorado stuff. Um, Jun- Junichi Sato, uh, who helped direct the first two seasons of Sailor Moon, uh, was a director, and the uh, screenwriter Maki Okoda, who wrote Anahana, Anthem of the Heart, and O Maidens of Your Savage Season uh, is a screenwriter. It's a little bit different, um, honestly. I think there are definitely similarities and differences. Um, you know, the sense of emotion and you know, that, that recurring motif of a young person having emotions that are so much for them to feel that it kind of manifests in this uh, surreal, supernatural uh, world that doesn't follow the rules of everyday life as, as in reality. Um, and it... it it does hold back a little bit, you know, relatively to the insane Sakuga from some of their earlier works, uh, especially Penguin Highway. Um, in a lot of ways, it, to me, it reads as a cross between Makoto Shinkai and Hayao Miyazaki with a dash of Mamoru Hosoda thrown in. Um, you know, one part the love story of Your Name, one part the magical world of Spirit of the Way with a dash of, you know, digital production from Mamoru Hosoda. Um, and that, that's definitely meant as a compliment. It's not meant to make it seem lesser compared to those. Um, you know, it's just a different combination that you would expect to see. Um, there are some scribbles you could probably have with the characterization and the plot and the story and the message is trying to tell, um, at least at the very beginning. And, you know, kind of the second half, I think, wasn't quite as strong as the as the former. Characterization was better in the front half, whereas the second half relied more on 
the supernatural elements to carry it. Um, but ultimately, end of the day, it's a very warm film. Again, in line with most of Colorado's works, it tugs at the heartstrings. It's beautifully animated, um, and you know this was a collaboration between Colorado and Toho Studios. So maybe that's a little bit why it's not quite as Colorado, Colorado. But I'm excited to see what else uh, the studio has up their sleeve for the future. Uh, with all that being said, Colorado has been on quite the ride and quite the rise uh, for the last seven years. Uh, nine of you go by when they were technically founded. Um, even though I don't know, I don't think we'll ever see them produce a full-length seasonal anime uh, for television, um, I'm more than happy to see what commercials, short films, and feature-length movies they end up producing in that unique, that, that diverse style that pushes the boundaries of what the future of anime looks like. So as noted before, special thanks to Sakagaburu for their blog post that uh, helped a lot of research for this episode. Uh, links to them and the various places you can find Colorado's works in the show notes, as well as a Twitter thread I'll put up on Friday. Um, I would strongly recommend you check out all of their work, regardless of your taste in anime. It's definitely some amazing stuff, um, a feast for the eyes and, a, and, and warm for the heart. Uh, in any case, uh, like I said, next week, uh, come back to hearing me talk about the spring uh, 2020 anime season and how I ended up on all the shows. Uh, like I said, hopefully I'll get the BNA in time to include that there. Um, but in any case, uh, if you have any suggestions for the show, please let me know at yet another anime podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at yet pod. I'm also working on getting my my animalist up to date, so uh, hopefully by next week that'll be done. Uh, no promises. Um, yet another anime podcast can be found on on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Links in the show notes. If you could leave a review there on podchaser.com, it really, really helps. Uh, intro and outro music is provided by Suichi Sakagami at tandes.com. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. That's it for this episode. We air on the first and third Fridays of each month. Until next time, see you, Space Cowboy. Bang. <laughs>